Welcome to Across the Rail Podcast. Wesleyan laity and clergy dishing hot takes on current events, church stuff, and cultural issues. Our episode today is a scatter shooting event. Good old Blackie Sherrod back in the day. Dallas Morning News used to just have scatter shooting columns. And it's a open season on anything and everything that we want to talk about. So kind of looking forward to this. Uh, one thing that has changed, we have recently uh, received our disaffiliation walking papers from our annual conference. So warning, we're not the terminally polite Wesleyans of old, but call it like it is from the pulpit to the pews across the rail. Our episode today is entitled Scatter Shooting While Looking Through the Windshield. Well, it has been a while since our last podcast. We continue to... Uh, uh, miss that mark, as the the Paul, as the Apostle Paul says. But uh, we do need to update you, our listening audience, on some changes. We have officially disaffiliated from the United Methodist Church, but we're kind of in that no man's land. We haven't decided where we will affiliate or not as of yet. So we actually welcome you to listen in as we kind of talk through this, and we hope this informs and encourages you. Uh, but before we do that, who's here? Corey. John's here. And I'm Greg. So, guys, do you have questions? Uh, uh, do you have all, answers? I've got all kinds of questions. All right, John, hit you me. Know. Hit us. Well, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to be part of that group that has uh, removed itself from the United Methodist. Um, it, it's kind of heartbreaking that uh, after all these years, uh, we're changing, but it is a necessary change. Uh, I feel it is necessary. Uh, my, my, my question is, you know, what, uh, for those churches that are out there, what options do they have if they choose to go through a disaffiliation? Uh, you know, uh, do, is there any organizations out there that are affiliated with Methodists that they can go to? Yes, there are, uh, there are several Wesleyan denominations out there. Uh, you know, the, one of the things that the method, whenever a, there's a split or a break off in a Wesleyan church, originally the Methodist church, they choose another name, right. which is different because when Baptists or, or our, our Reformed brothers, when they break away, they still either call themselves Presbyterians or Baptists. So you can kind of see the tree, right. you know, the, how that, the family tree, how yeah. that works. Well, in Methodism, you have, you know, Wesleyan Methodists, then you have Free Methodists, and then you have the biggest of the breakaways from the, the Methodist Church uh, is the Church of the Nazarene. They've got about 6,500 churches in the United States. They've got about 2 million adherents around the globe, kind of like uh, the United Methodist Church, they are, there's more Nazarenes outside the United States than inside. Um, you also have, uh, uh, you also have uh, Evangelical Methodists. That's kind of a smaller denomination. The Free Methodist is a smaller denomination. Uh, where they came from, they, uh, uh, they were uh, pretty much an anti-slavery crowd before the Methodist Episcopal Church uh, split in the 1840s. Uh, they uh, they split. They were up in the Genesee Conference up in New York, mm -hmm. and so they they split up there over uh, anti-slavery views. The Methodists started to get squishy on their anti-slavery uh, views and stuff like that. 
And then you've got the Wesleyan Church, which is a combination of Wesleyan Methodist and, and Pilgrim Holiness churches, mm-hmm. and they combine to join the, West, the, the, uh, the Wesleyan Church. And then you've got a bunch of other littles, like little Wesleyan breakoffs, like the Evangelical Methodist uh, uh, Association of Independent Methodists. Or you can become independent, but we'll talk about that later. But the interesting thing about the Association of Independent Methodists are it's kind of like saying I'm a Baptist, but I don't fully immerse in baptism. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's you know, okay, well, what is in its essence a Baptist? Well, you can say what is in its essence a Wesleyan, and that is at its basic part a connectional system. Right. We're not just guys in a storefront doing our own thing. We are part of the greater church, of the greater body of Christ, and we work, and, and the hope is through our relationship with other churches in our area and in, in, in close proximity to us, we can work together to do more than just what an individual church can do by itself. That was the plan. That was the, the whole thought process behind connectionalism. Well, you know, you, you just rattled off about 20 different uh, uh, breakaways on there. And, and, and I have been a nerd on this. And, and, yeah, <laughs> trust me. It's, yeah. That, that would explain the tape on the glasses. Um, the, uh, the, <laughs> just, just poking, that's hey. clean, clean Methodist pun there. There you go. But, and I guess the question I have though, I mean, uh, and that's kind of why we're in the situation we're, we're in, you know, it sounds like they're picking and choosing the parts of the Wesleyan belief system, uh, and, and changing it to their own personal, you know, uh, personal choice on there as opposed to, you know, what the... Bible teaches us to believe and how how uh, how I believe, so to speak. And I hate to say that, how I believe is, is different than, but I mean, is, is, is that what you're seeing out there in all these, these, these fractions of Methodism? You know, they pick and choose what they want? I guess you could say that. Uh, each, you know, each group, and you can take the United, the former, United, our, our former denomination, the UMC, and you could see a whole spectrum of churches that were interested in evangelism right. and and spirit-filled worship. You had churches that emphasized social works and being a part of the community, right. and then you had others that were just well, political and well, yeah. yes, uh, on on the left side of the spectrum right. and and justice-oriented and liberation-oriented. So within that big tent, you had a lot of different emphases. Well, the same thing is when, like, the the uh, uh, Free Methodists broke away right. in the 19th century. They, they thought that the Methodists lost their emphasis on being an anti-slavery, you know, church. But that was the original setup for Wesley. That was the original setup for um, uh, Bishop Asbury. To be a Methodist, you could not own slaves. And so they were very focused on, hey, the Wesleyanism we grew up with was anti-slavery. And you guys are now winking and nudging at it, especially to the southern part of the country. So, yeah, they broke away. Well, the holiness revivals after the Civil War, you know, one of the big tenets of, of, of Methodism is entire sanctification. Okay, That's one of the essences. Well, as the Methodist Episcopal Church stopped 
preaching that, making it an emphasis. Right. The holiness denominations, the Nazarene, the Wesleyan, Pilgrim, hey, all, hey, they all, yes, said, hey, man, we're, we're not keeping the main thing the main thing, so we need to preach holiness. Right. And Methodists said, no, we ain't doing that. The bishops, no, they put the thumb on it, and they said, see ya. So they left. So, yes, they kind of pick and choose, but certain people and certain bodies of, of believers have different emphases that they want to emphasize. I know that sounds redundant, but that's the easiest way I can no, explain No, No, one, one group I, I've not heard you mention that I've read a little bit about and I'm hearing a lot, uh, uh, and, and I'm actually super surprised that on my, my news feeds, I'm actually getting uh, uh, Google news feeds and Yahoo news feeds, you know, talking about the you know, so many more churches are disaffiliating, and I was really surprised that they put that in the the uh, uh, main main news. Under, but the the one that I did not hear you say was the Global Methodist. Yes, well, because the Global Methodist is um, the Global Methodist is the newest. The Global Methodist is still they're they're building the airplane while they're flying it, but. Unlike but, unlike the uh, the tools that we use from our sponsors there, the, the, right? <laughs> we, we'll get into that in a little uh, in, in in due time. But uh, yeah, the Global Methodist Church is the newest, and basically it started. Uh, it's about to have its uh, uh, first anniversary as an entity, May the second. Or is it May the 1st? I think it's May the 1st. May the 2nd is when our company got acquired. So some of that kind of gets a little fuzzy. But, yeah, May the 1st um, will be the first year of the Global Methodist Church. And it's basically uh, the conservative, traditional, uh, evangelical, mostly in the southeast and the eastern part of the country, that that uh, have basically said, you know, we've tried, we've tried to renew from within, mm-hmm. we've tried to be good people and and evangelize from within and work within the system, but at, at some point you get boxed in the corner, right? And it, it, you you, ha- you there's no way out, but you can't proceed forward because the the gulf between what the church is practicing and what you believe to be what God wants us to do, that gulf, you can't cross it anymore. We, we have no unity in doctrine and in practice. So, so would you consider the global Methodist to be, uh, and, and I hate to use this terminology, but it, you know, in the political climate that we are in now, would you consider the global Methodist a more conservative? Theologically, without a doubt. In, in, in what way? <clears throat> well, they, they, I mean, when's the last time you had Methodists knock on your door to invite you to church? Uh, you knocked on my door five minutes ago. Okay. <laughs> but, but the point <laughs> being is, I mean, the point being is, you have Jehovah's Witness, you have... Oh, uh, um, oh absolutely. We, you, we, yeah, we, you we, have Latter-day Saints. And is it not surprising that the two fastest-growing denominations, and I use that term very loosely... Are that those two, the so, LDS so, church? So, do you see the global yes. Methodist riding bikes, yes. white shirts, with yes. a little, well, little badge on there saying maybe? I mean, Paul says, "I've become all things to all people." There you go. Okay. And by all means, save some. So, if that means knocking on doors, hopefully not, 
you know, wearing a Doberman, you know, when they open the door. <laughs> but, but, you know, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to get shot, you know, through the front door, but it, but we have to, we have to figure out and we have to lift up Jesus. And, and, and that, that is number one in, in the people that are breaking away. And the Global Methodist Church will make that to, to uh, evangelize and, and witness boldly. Okay, so they're going to worship passionately. So they're not just going to be the dance of the dead. Okay. I mean, is it going to be swinging from the chandeliers? Some churches might. Some churches might still be pretty heavy on the liturgical side. Right. But one thing that will not happen, they won't have to cross their fingers when they recite the Apostles' Creed. They won't have to say, right. you know, well, asterisk on anything. Well, you know, that sounds good, but we're, we're modern people. We really don't believe that anymore. I, I call bull. Right. I mean, that, that is going to be whatever you are on the, the worship-type spectrum. It is going to be authentic, and it is going to be spirit-filled. Okay. Second question. We're going to flip 180. Now, I know we don't have a magic eight ball in front of us to give us uh, the, the right answer. What do you foresee happening to the United Methodist Church? I, I'm trying to maintain a windshield view. And the only reason I say that is... Right. is if anyone is looking at the news now, you know, uh, you're seeing people in companies, uh, or I, I mean, let me back up. You're seeing the public is getting very, very tired of this woke movement that's going through, i.e. Bud Light. Right. You know, what a great example. 17% of their share uh, sales down because they chose to have a spokesperson that if you've not seen them, you're not missing a whole lot, but I'm just saying it is, and it thrilled me to death to see people going up against companies like Disney, you know, people going against Bud Light, you know, and you and I both know you want to affect somebody, you affect them in their purse on there. You know, the the left is not the only one that can boycott. The left isn't the only one that can can do protest. So, I guess my question is, where do you see? the United Methodist wants all the wokeness garbage, and I call it garbage because that's what it is, garbage is done with. And, and they're left holding nothing but a skeleton of a church. John, one of the things I've known and, and, and witnessed in my work career is the institution lives mm-hmm. to protect and foster the institution. So they are going to do whatever it takes to persevere, especially those in leadership positions making good coin. Um, as you know, that, that we had to write a check to leave, and all the churches that are leaving, uh, it's kind of opposite of the children of Israel. When they left Egypt, they said they plundered the Egyptians. Well, when we're leaving, we're getting shaken down. Well, and, 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 and so that plus properties as as they close churches, John, that's the trust clause mm-hmm. is a basically an endowment for the future of the UMC. And so, if churches, let's say, then that's been why we've had so many shenanigans with the bishops making it hard to disaffiliate because they're just basically, if you want to leave, fine, but leave all your high-dollar property behind. Yeah, but there there are lines and lines and lines at the courthouse filing lawsuits over over that. And and they're winning some of them. They're winning some, but they're also losing some. Yeah. And But at the end of the day, 
they're, they're going to preserve that institution and how they preserve in the modern day. When you're not proclaiming that, when you proclaim the name of Jesus and when you proclaim the eternal gospel, that puts you at 90 degrees perpendicular to, to society, to right. the world. And, the, and, and to prosper in this world, to go along and get along, you have to be parallel copacetic with what's happening. So as as culture changes, I foresee the institution of the UMC following that culture where because they do not want to kick against it. The people that want to that are that are are are, are willing to be countercultural and evangelical are leaving. So so do you think these churches can survive with empty pews? Uh, no, they'll just close them down, and then they'll sell the property off. And that now will they will they grow? No, no. no. They will. They're like the Episcopal Church. Right. The Episcopal Church has a lot of money. Oh, yeah. What they don't have is a lot of young people in their. They don't have a lot of anybody in their seats yeah. anymore. Yeah. But it doesn't matter, does it? No. They're still the wealthiest. They've still got bishops. They're still driving the fine cars and living the good life. But what do they stand for anymore, John? Well, I haven't been to an Episcopal church in years. Nothing, you know. What you can do outside the church is okay inside the church. So that begs the question, why even have church? If you're not, Christianity is as emote. We are now as countercultural today as it was during the Roman Empire previous to Constantine. You don't believe it, do some history. I mean, everything that, that, that culture is for we are 180 degrees out of phase. Right. And that comes at a cost. Jesus said, what will, it, what will a man give for his soul? Mm. And yes, they'll have a lot of money. They'll have a lot of influence. They will, the institution will go on, but it'll be much smaller. It'll, they'll eventually get old. It's now the oldest, whitest denomination in the United States. It's going to get older. It may be whiter. I don't know. But it's definitely not going to grow. But it's not going to be a poor. It, it, it will be, it will mimic the Episcopal Church, in my opinion. Mm. Mm. One question I've got <clears throat> that I've been thinking a lot about lately, and I don't know why I've been thinking about it lately, but it's probably because it has to do with sticking to what, you believe in what the Bible says compared to what everybody else thinks about what they believe the Bible says, in quotes. What do you think the state of legalism would look like in the new church when it comes to staying? Because, you know, know, you're going to have certain people that are coming from other churches that, you know, I know people that have, have already came to our church from other churches looking and searching Mm. But some have said, you know, well, that's not, th- that's not traditional enough. That's mm. not. So does well, that make does that question make yeah, sense? Yeah, that that's well. Legalism is one thing, and liturgy and worship styles are another thing. Right. So I, I'm I'm trying to decipher the question. I want to focus more on legalism in itself. Okay, with the church. Well. So, so do you think the GMC, I'm assuming you're talking about yes. the GMC. So if you're talking about the Global Methodist Church, will there be more legalism? Is that what you're thinking? Is that what your yes. question is? Yes. Um, well, 
Let me say it to this. One of the things that evangelicals have, have, have had an issue with over time is legalism, you know. I'm more holy, you know, how do I know I'm holy? Well, I, I do this, you know. Here's what God says, and then I ask this, I add this six-foot buffer just to make sure I don't get close to what God said not to do. And then that becomes, slowly but surely, that becomes long dresses and, and nothing against our Pentecostal folks, you know, whatever. I mean, if you want to do that, that's fine. The problem with legalism is making it mandatory. Mm-hmm. What what Greg says or what this church says that the, God does the, not the, the, say. The, the human factor Correct. as opposed to God, God's uh, now, claim to that. The, the Pharisees were, were the most religious and the most correct as far as their belief system at the time of Christ. But they were horribly legalistic. So to, to that event, we are going to have to, to uh, watch that because uh, there's some elements that, that may be involved. But here's the thing. Jesus, we have to have that balance and tension of grace and truth. Too much grace where everything goes and it's all good and yeah. Jesus loves, everybody loves everybody. That, that produces anarchy. anarchy. Mm-hmm. Too much truth where you better not walk out of line. This is the way walk in it, blah, blah. You got to do this, got to do that. Can't drink, smoke, or tolerate those who do. Right. That's too much truth. And that's where legalism comes from. So we've got to, and and the global Methodist church, through accountable discipleship, through, I hate to say this. I don't want to say open minds, open doors, but but we are going to be open, grace-filled people but we are also not going to shy away from the truth of Scripture. Mm-hmm. But that is a that any evangelical church that's following the Holy Spirit should watch that. But if the Holy Spirit is truly leading, we're going to be able to decipher this is legalism, this is everything goes. Yeah. We need to walk that middle road. Do you foresee any any uh, people purposefully coming into the the new churches that have disaffiliated? to stir up that mess. Kind of, you know, for an example, uh, uh, you know, uh, the the bakery. You know, you get the LBGQTX35. The alphabet folks. Yeah, yeah, the (laughs) alphabet folks on there. Uh, Going into this this particular baker. uh, Oh, in Colorado, yeah. Okay, do you foresee that happening? Perhaps. Coming into the churches? And if so, how do we defend against that? Because we want to be welcoming, sure, but we want to be truthful too. Well, that's that's why we again that balance, right? That that's why. First of all, you can't just walk in there and start shouting stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the, the authorities will come and politely escort you outside right. during worship. But but if 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 there's a desire, you know, Jesus said that 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 he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If we're doing what we need to do. And if we're following the Holy Spirit, and if we have our house in order, then God, the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Truth, we will be able to perceive that somebody's trying to, you know, flip, or somebody's trying to uh, a fifth columnist. That's an old term about somebody coming in to try to destabilize something. I, I think we will have Holy Spirit guided discernment on who is there genuinely seeking and who is there genuinely seeking to cause trouble. Right, right. Okay. And speaking of trouble, 
Sometimes at high altitude, you can have trouble if you have. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, that's not that's good. a very sobering thing. That's uh, in was, fact, was that a wing that just passed? I, you know, I mean, it, now the the Whoa. good folks at at Innovative Tooling Services, Lovely. a division of Adept Fasteners, they are legalists when it comes to structural integrity. It is the law. Thou shalt not depart from the law. You shall use this tool correctly, and you install that fastener properly so you maintain structural integrity at 30,000 feet when it really matters. Does it matter if your plane shakes, rattles, and rolls? Does it roll down the tarmac? Perhaps. It's really a bad day when it happens in flight. You know, I was just sitting there thinking, you know, if the plane is shaking and diving down, you could do a lot of converting into Christianity. That would that be point. I would say that would be an evangelistically <laughs> open field at that point. But I digress. Uh innovative tooling services, I mean we guys have the tools, we have the nose assemblies, we now we have the fasteners. We have it all. There's uh, from whole preparation to installation to even removal and disassembly, whatever you need to do. Innovative tooling services have the has the expertise, has the equipment and has many, many years of experience. So if you need them, give us a call at 1-800-832-7009 or look us up on the internet, interwebs. Well, I can't uh, even yeah, say my fun. own spiel at InnovativeTooling.com. And we'll be back. Okay, we're back. So, where were we? Well, we've got uh, a plethora of questions to ask on there. But what, uh, I guess the, the main one is, where would Greg like to see our church head to? Um, overall, I think for, for our people and, and for... For a variety of reasons, I think the GMC fits the bill. Um, the, the the two biggest things are, and they're just neck and neck. Accountable discipleship. Uh, there's going to be an emphasis on being a part of, of not just a small group or a Bible study. Bible study is very, you know, it, it's a very lecture and listener kind of a dynamic. Mm-hmm. That those no. We listen in church. We listen. We listen too much. That we we need to be involved with each other, and and part of that involvement means accountable discipleship. Greg needs to have a place where John asks him, "How was it with you this week? How was your soul this week? Uh, where did you see God? Where did the Holy Spirit talk to you this week?" You know, and and I mean more than just you know Jesus. I mean more than just tell more Bible stories and more cute little uh, ways to, to behavior modify so you don't sin. No, we need to pour ourselves into each other. And, and, and that's how the church grows because we become a spiritual family, just like Jesus poured himself into his disciples to become a family. And that, that cord, that strand of people that are accountable and love each other is hard to break. Number two, for all the reasons. Hold on, hold on. Uh, before we jump into number two, I want to piggyback off that one right there. 
yes, accountability is is going to be key, and I agree. I think uh, we need to be accountable to our brethren and sisters out there. Uh, but th- does that concern you that you know who is going to apply that discipline, and and what what degree of discipline is is accountable? Uh, and, and and the only reason I, I'm you know as soon as you said that I'm thinking that sounds awful like a like a, uh, a West Texas cult, uh, you know, that you're not doing, you're not doing the 50 uh, Hail Marys or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, if, if you're right if, to if, the if, modern church, because it hasn't happened in such a long time. Mm-hmm. If you look, basically, you won't get thrown out of church. Because we haven't had a general conference yet, a convening conference, to, to officially say we've got all of our doctrinal issues worked out, we know what we believe, why we believe, what we want to do, what our emphases will be, but basically uh, it's not going to say, well, if you don't want to, you know, if you don't want to be a part of an accountability group or anything like that, it doesn't mean you cannot be a church member. Okay. okay. It does mean, and it will limit you from being in a leadership position, probably. And I don't have a problem with that. Because, I mean, if you're not going to invest yourself... I mean, I'm just going to be brutal on it. If you're not wanting to... Because part of the Wesleyan way is it's not just about fire insurance. It's not just about saying the sinner's prayer. It's about a Christ-like lifestyle under the inspiration and, and, and surrendering to the Holy Spirit, sanctification is our only reason to be a separate denomination. we got to break away from that old 80-20 uh, uh, lineage. That's right. I mean, you, know. you ought to be, if you're going to be a member of a church, you ought to be excited about Jesus and about becoming like Jesus and, and, and evangelizing like Jesus and loving like Jesus. All the things, we that needs to be important. If you just want to be a spectator, you're welcome to be a spectator. But we would encourage you to participate. Highly encourage, but no. Is there somebody going to be over there with a stick? Or a gun? No, no, no that's not going to happen. Because this is a, <laughs> yeah. this is a free country. And, and Jesus, you know, many guys said, hey, I want to be a part of the Jesus train. Then Jesus said, okay, you want to do this, 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 or this? No thanks. Nope. Nope. Didn't bust Jesus' chops. He just said, next Next, mm-hmm. okay, all right. Now, getting back to part two okay. of, uh, of why why Greg would go okay. with the global. All of the other siblings, all of the other Wesleyan break off denominations, the Wesleyan family, Pan Wesleyanism, they have retained what's called the uh, 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 the trust clause, and that was done back in the day to ensure that Methodist preaching houses would maintain Methodist theology. They wouldn't be, you know, start out as a Methodist, you know, you build a place and have a preacher, but then they come in and decide one day, okay, we're going to go back to Anglicanism. No, this was built with Methodist funds. It is going to be a Methodist worship house. So John Wesley worked it out where every Methodist preaching house was owned by the annual conference. It was not owned by the church people to protect that. Well, what was to protect theologically directed preaching became a snare as when, when the, the bishops and other people 
started letting chaos ensue. Uh, that's a good term. Yeah. The, then, then you can't leave because, oh, yeah, you can walk and just tape your, you know, tape the key to the door, but that nice property that you've paid for and worked so hard, it's ours. So Wesley didn't factor in the bishops going bad yeah, well. and, and, and doing that. So long story, but uh, here's the payoff pitch. The Global Methodist Church does not have a trust clause, oh. meaning if you join them, you join freely with your property. If you don't like the way, the cut of their jib, the way they're doing things, you can tell them, it was nice, it was great, but we're right. gone. Yeah. And you take your property with you. And that's a beautiful thing. That doesn't destroy connectionalism, but it allows this church to be, instead of a church that is compelled to do something, it is a church of the willing. What do you think John Wesley would say if we could reincarnate him and sit there and look at the Methodist church today? Well, first thing you would say, why did you bring me back from heaven? <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? I didn't, what do I have here? No, uh, all kidding aside, uh, I would just think the... You think he'd be shocked? At, no, at the, I really don't, and, and here's why. Because he witnessed the, the complete failure of the Church of England and England, Anglicanism. Right. to be the effective force he wanted it to be and wanted to reform it to. And sometimes, and we find out, what, what do you always say about institutions? The institution lives to preserve and right. continue the institution. So the Anglican Church is not so much about reform. It's just about, we got a good thing going, don't rock the boat, shut up and sit down. And I think Wesley said, he said, Probably what will happen to Methodists if we ever stop our doctrine and our discipline, there you go, with that accountable discipleship, because class meetings were accountable discipleship. If they lose track of that, they will become another dead sect, and I'm paraphrasing, and he is exactly right two wouldn't, centuries wouldn't, later. Wouldn't that be the grounds for uh, litigation uh, uh, for a church that wants to uh, leave the United Methodists? that they broke away from the the discipline that is yes. supposed to be followed right and a few higher ups chose to to not follow that uh, i would think that would be a good legal grounds for for the disaffiliation wouldn't you well it depends uh <clears throat> i'm going to put my uh judge's hat on here okay. you realize that that we have federalism and each state has different laws. I am well aware of that. Okay, concerning religious institutions. Texas mm -hmm. said, hey, we're not going to get into this religion. You know, we're, we're, we're going to say that, yes, this church did this. We see a breach of contract between right. what's this. And that's why, hey, they won a lot of lawsuits. South Carolina says, well, the state of South Carolina is not going to get involved in your religious squabble, so you have no standing in our state courts. You boys and girls work it out your own way. Well, you know, and, and here's the thing, and since churches are uh, considered... Uh, and that's the separation of church well, and state. Well, see... Sometimes it's good, sometimes it bites you in the butt. Churches are, are non-profit, are they not considered non-profit? 
they are tax free. Okay. In order to be tax free, five hundred one C, whatever, however you want to write. You ever uh, feel that the the litigation would go beyond state and go go into federal? I don't think so. Um, first of all, the Supreme Court yeah. <laughs> knows this is the radioactive. They thought oh, yeah. this is the radioactive of the radioactive, oh, and yeah. it, it, you know this is worse than. Uh, <laughs> I think they want nothing to do with this. Now, will it? Might it? Perhaps. Maybe. Sometimes things are forced upon you, like this whole, you know, LGBTQ, you know, Christ, you know, where people can have freedom of conscience, but where does that stop in the beginning of the people have to have rights right. to not be discriminated against? So, but... The, the federal government is, is running away from that as fast as they can. They want this to stay a state-by-state matter. Mm, okay. They believe in federalism when it comes to religion because they don't want any part of it, in my opinion. So what do you think the end result is going to be as far as if you had to put a percentage of disaffiliated churches versus the churches that are going to stay United Methodist? I'm going to say it's <clears throat> in, in the... In the well, it depends on what part of the country, but overall, I'm going to say it's probably going to be maybe 20 25 percent. You think that low? I, I do because, again, you have a lot of states in the south, like South Carolina, like Georgia, like some areas in Florida, mm -hmm. they are not going to get involved in ecclesiastical disputes, so that exit way is shut mm. unless they and they're trying to appeal it because Florida put the mash on them South Carolina put the mash on their lawsuits Western North Carolina put the mash on their lawsuits they are appealing to the Supreme Court it's going to take minimum two to three years and De Niro and you have to kind of look and do the math is my church property Amortize, amortize that over how much I'm paying legal fees, retainers, all this stuff to pursue this. Mm -hmm. What's the payoff? Where, where does the price of this is too much, I'm just going to take the key to the door and walk? Mm. I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised that, uh, and, you know, don't do what I say. Uh, this is just a... Uh, uh, I wouldn't be surprised that you get an angry, uh, angry congregation to sit there and just say, "Well, we'll just burn it down to the ground. You can just have the ground." You know, we'll, well, it, we'll start it, all over. That, 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 I can understand that on a human, emotional level. And but if you read in the red letters and the Sermon on the Mount, it says, "Do unto those as you would have them to do unto you." And we heard that today in our yeah, sermon. Yeah, and absolutely. it's, yeah. you know, as much as that would probably feel good in the moment, I don't think Jesus, because he didn't get, because no. they didn't convert to his way of thinking. No, I don't no, think no, he no. burned down the temple on his way to the Golgotha, did he? You're, you're right on there, but in that sermon, it also said to, uh, to uh, like you said, in the positive on there, you know, it, it would it would be nice if they said, "Hey, we're just going to break nice, 
And here's your church. We thought we had that agreement, and that went away because people because fight going on outside. It does. No, I mean you. You have to. If we are what we say we are, then we have to act like we know it's correct to act, regardless of the raw, Mm -hmm. bitter emotion. I just personally feel like the good Lord's going to take care of the churches that that do what he requests of them. And the churches that don't, that, that the churches that sit there and say, well, you know, there really wasn't a virgin birth, and there is no hell. I think God's got a plan for those churches, too. He I mean, does, and it, you know, it, I, I've, I've had to look at that, and I say, Lord, where's the fairness here? But I don't have the long-term look well, that God say, does. That's, 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 not our, and, that's not in our plan. It's and, in and that's right. And you know? even God horribly sometimes in my opinion lord no offense delays justice because that's that another pesky verse in the bible he is unwilling for one to perish even one but that all should come to repentance and if he has to allow things to happen so he gives people that are behaving badly in the umc he wants to give them ultimate opportunity opportunity, for repentance well you know he the the good lord has done that in our own lives absolutely you know there you go in our own lives see what what we the the church is is three the church of jesus christ universal the church visible the church local and me i am the church so you've got four phases of the church i have to do what Christ says. The local church has to be a, do what Christ says. The church universal has to the, the church visible has to do what Christ says, and the church universal definitely does what Christ says. Right. If we are a part of the church, he said, "If you love me, you will obey my commands." So, do we have an ETA as far as a drop dead date uh, for the yes official uh, the 29th of May? Okay, so that's coming up within less than 30 days. We have much to do. Wow. Wow. It's a lot. It's unbelievable, you know what? That's a lot of homework. <clears throat> I mean, it, homework. it goes, it, it's kind of like the old saying, you know, it, 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 it going going broke <laughs> takes a lot of time, a little bit at a time, and then all at once. And we started this train... Years ago, thinking about it, talking about it, praying about it, discussing it, discerning, and when it, when it, when we got in front of the annual conference, now it's all at once. Well, you know what? It couldn't come at a better time. So you know, God's so, timing is perfect, John. Yeah. So well, I'm looking forward to uh, to a uh, new uh, new uh, new life at our church on there, a new growth and. And some opportunities to. I'm gonna have to dust my bike off and maybe we're, we're, get a bigger seat. It's like gonna call. We <laughs> we need to be open. I mean, we can't do it all by ourselves. The Holy Spirit will give us and help us. Mm-hmm. It, we just gotta put what we can do, give it to God, and then the Holy Spirit will take that and multiply it and do what we can't do. I agree. With I that. believe I agree. that with all my heart. So, and I think if we do that, we will be successful. Absolutely. Yeah. So as we end this podcast, you can find this episode and other Across the Rail podcast episodes on popular platforms like formerly Anchor, now it's uh, Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you listen on iTunes, please take the time to give us that highly 
Coveted five-star rating. five-star rating. If you have questions on this or any other episode, send your comments to cheers or jeers to comments at acrosstherail.com or look up Across the Rail podcast on Twitter by our handle at across underscore rail and on Facebook at Across the Rail podcast. Please give us a like there and leave us any feedback or questions. Thank you so much for listening. So final thoughts. I'm just excited that uh, a new age is coming. So yep. uh, I'm looking forward to it. I am too. Let, let Jesus lead. Amen. <clears throat> let Amen. Jesus lead. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Corey, why don't you dismiss us with prayer? I sure can. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we've had together. Father, as we begin a new path, a new road um, that is set before us, Father, we just ask that we would let you lead, guide, and direct every move that we need to make, Lord. And we just ask that it would be in your will um, that we uh, learn to be that shining light, Lord, your hands and feet, um, to bring a, a greater victory out of all this hectic commotion, Lord, that's been going on for so long. Right. Uh, we're so thankful for the opportunity, Lord, to begin a new path and a new way of seeing how it is and how important it is to live by what your word says mm -hmm. your word is your word and it never changes um lord and, and that is an opportunity to um, begin um, evangelism with that statement lord your word never changes uh, so father we just ask that you would um, bless our listeners lord uh, bless our church um, and ask that you would be the the front runner of this new beginning. And we ask this in your holy, precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.